Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to the Feed the Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America. Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah, get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause the bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to a bee. Welcome to the feed to Embiid. I am Austin Krell, along with a guy who was recently set up for a robbery, and I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Brock, how? Give us an update. What has happened in the time since you you were robbed? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, without giving away too much personal information, um, sure. we're speculating that we were tipped. Uh, we, we were set up uh, in a sense, and uh, the logistics behind that get kind of ugly. But nonetheless, um, my roommates and I were at our apartment. Uh, huh? We were hanging out for a couple of hours because the place was left completely the way that we left it. Uh, the lights we left on were on. Um, the the beds that were unmade were left unmade, of course. Uh, there, there was no chairs that were out of place or anything, so... Uh, my friends and I were hanging out at our place for probably three or four hours on Saturday night before we even realized we had gotten uh, broken into and robbed. And we took all the necessary precaution, uh, which at least is what I thought, in locking the front and back door and all the other windows have bars and, and seem too narrow uh, to fit through. But we got hit in a blind spot that we didn't even know we, we, we had. We didn't even know that was a blind spot. Um, and we got hit for, for three very specific things. Uh, there wasn't really much else taken, uh, so it, it makes you wonder. And and we've been we've been playing detective for the past couple of days. My roommates and I we got the police involved, but uh, without mentioning any officers' names or, or not discrediting the police, uh, we kind of did that investigation. We did more work than the police when they came here, and rightfully so. Uh, we we only lost a couple hundred dollars worth of goods, and uh, it's pretty common in this area uh, with college students too. So. Uh, we, we get caught caught lacking, I guess, but the marathon continues. we got to keep moving forward, and, and we'll be back in business in a couple of days. So I, I didn't really lose much on the computer that, that was taken. There, there weren't too many documents that were vital. Uh, so like I said, the marathon continues. You'll, you'll see me with, with this camera and, and Mike probably for a week or two, and then we'll be back to normal. Well, I'm I'm sorry that had to happen to you. That's a uh, yeah, it's, it's a brutal experience. I've, I I consider myself pretty lucky that I went to a school where I didn't have to worry about that kind of thing. Um, so you know that, that that is unfortunate, but thankfully you're safe. Thankfully, uh, you know you look at the side of that the things that you know that, that there are worse things that could have happened mm-hmm. um, to you, and I, and I hope it gets resolved, and I hope you get your your own form of justice uh, soon. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. we do. <laughs> that explains why Brock and I couldn't go yesterday. Brock texted me at about like ten in the morning, and he's like, "I can't go today. <laughs> I got robbed." Like a rain check, buddy. And I'm looking at the. I'm I'm playing Fortnite. I look at the text. I'm like double taking. I'm like, I'm like, is he trying to just scam me out of this podcast tonight? And I'm, <laughs> and, I'm and I'm like, I'm like, do I really believe this? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I believe it. We'll, we'll give him. We'll give him a chance. But uh. I, I I don't know what to say. It's it's kind of it's wild that that's what happened. Um, yeah, but um, I didn't want to give away too much. So uh, of course, right. there's details that are left out that you might know or or people close to me might know. Uh, but let's just say it's a situation that probably won't get resolved, and and there's probably not going to be any justice. So um, maybe one day I'll have mental clarity. Maybe maybe we'll cross paths. Closure with the guy that 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 came in. Yeah, graduation day. 
That's what yeah. happens. Um, so this is a basketball podcast, and we are going to mm-hmm. talk about basketball today. Uh, last time we spoke, Doc Rivers had been named the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, and um, he had not yet had his introductory press conference. And by the way, for those watching, um, speaking of, of live streams, you can always give us a, a comment, um, you know, chime in, ask questions, leave, leave, leave feedback, whatever commentary, um, in, in, in the comment section, we, you know, we, we go live on today, tonight we're live on Periscope only because Painted Line has, has other shows and programs that are running, but feel free to always, you know, leave, um, comments or what have you in the, um, you know, in, in, in the box and we'll, we'll be happy to interact with you as always. Um, but Sixers introduce Doc Rivers via a live stream uh, press conference, one that had pretty bad audio, <laughs> if I might. Yeah, somebody didn't know how to mute that mic. I know who it was, and I'll tell oh, you. Who, I'll tell you oh, who it man. was. I'll tell you who it was privately. Um, I, I hope it wasn't anybody. Kai. I, I hope it wasn't. <laughs> it Kai. was not. It was not Kai. It was not Kai. Right, if, you look at, if you look at the private chat. We will. Oh, uh, <laughs> of course, that's who it was. And of Jason, that's who it was. And Jason, and and Jason sent me the um the audio of it, like like of the press conference because I was going to use it for a story. And you could hear in the background <laughs> on his show, it just goes off about the Phillies. It's just it, 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 he's and and then and then the PR people are like. Please, everybody, remain quiet in the press yeah. conference. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. just like. Come on, man. Um, but um, yeah, so I introduced Doc, and I knew you, you knew one of the questions, and uh, it's a, a uh, whether he's infamous or a famous reporter in this town. Yep. Uh, he asked it, you know, the, about what, what you know, can, how can you make Ben Simmons take jump shots? And I thought Doc answered it really well, and I know some people want to say that. You know, he, he needs to, you know, be more adamant that Ben needs to shoot the ball. I think he answered it the correct way, which is that he's not as worried about it as everyone else is because the, you know, the fans that that that, that, that want Ben to be this, like, you know, the shooter, they don't really see the other side of it uh, in that, like, I, I just don't see the shot value of him attempting jumpers. And so I think when you take that into equation and when you, um, you know, you you think about how does he build rapport with Ben Simmons? How does he endear himself to Ben Simmons? You don't throw him under the bus immediately and say, this just won't fly. We can't have this. You know, he's going to have to shoot jump shots. Like, no, you admit the truth is that it's not, it's not the biggest problem with the team right now. It's not, and shouldn't, it, that, that shouldn't be where the focus is. This is about, you know, other priorities. Now, it's, you know, it's kind of subjective as to what those priorities might be in order, but I, I, I thought he answered it well in a way that would endear himself to Ben Simmons, who, if you read the tea leaves and 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 you you, you see like what Ben Simmons posts on his own social media accounts, um. You, you kind of get the sense that maybe he wasn't all the way on board with Doc Rivers. Maybe, maybe um, you know, I, I think it was pretty obvious that Joel was, but I, I, I don't, I don't know that I believe Ben Simmons was. Um, nothing he's done in the days since the hiring would indicate that he was, you know, jovial about Doc Rivers joining the franchise. Um, but I thought that Doc made a good start to their relationship. Yeah, and the two most important things I took from Doc's presser. Uh, and by the way, it was Howard asking that asked that question. And I don't want to say it. I don't want to uh, say it. But as soon as they announced Howard Eskin's name, you knew was, it was coming. You I'll knew it was coming. Like, fall into the media availability, and then you knew that was going to be the question. Something about that or Joe's diet. Uh, so it was Howard Eskin that asked, and and you're right. Uh, Doc did a good job answering that question. But that was one of the two things that I found most important in Doc's 35 minute press conference, uh, give or take. So. Yeah, I think Doc Rivers is aware that Ben Simmons is probably one of less than eight players in the league that has this broad range of skills where they can defend one through five. They're an offensive nightmare for an opposing defense because if the point guard is defending Ben Simmons, that's a mismatch every time. 
And if the point guard isn't, and let's say a, an opposing forward is guarding Ben Simmons, that means there's a mismatch elsewhere. So you take that into account. You take into account there's probably less than three players better than him in transition. And he's also one of the best passers and offensive creators in the league. And Doc knows that. So he, of course, said that that's not the priority for Philadelphia, but rather the priority is coaching to this team's strengths and, yeah. and winning. And the thing that I really liked that, that Doc Rivers kept talking about was not making this team adapt to the way that he's going to coach or, or, or not even him adapting his coaching ways to the team, but more so it's about having all of the players on your team buy into winning. And he said most players around the league, they want to win. But the problem is you have players that don't see a formula. They, they, they can't buy in because there's no plan in place for the players to win. There's no structure. So you need to allow the players and kind of enlighten the players and show them that they can win. The, the roster they have is capable of winning. And once you can prove that to the players, then you have a dangerous squad. So uh, Doc is, is, is a perfect guy to come into this situation. Uh, Philadelphia kind of lacks that chemistry and continuity. He's a coach that's been coaching with no break for 21 years, he said. And you don't do that. You don't get by doing that with having faults. Uh, so there, there's things that Doc can do better. There's things that he doesn't do great. But at the same time, you don't have a 21-year run in the NBA as a head coach and have these glaring chemistry problems in the locker room where players can't come to talk to you, where you can't adjust. So I think Doc was the perfect guy to sit in this situation. And the second thing that I found really awesome uh, was that he said the thing with Philadelphia is that we're not going to force them to be guys they're not. So you may have had Brett Brown forcing the guys shoot shots early, the first green light, shoot the shot. So the team shooting this huge influx of threes on the road, very early shot clock. Doc's not going to do that. He said, if the team is lacking three point shooting, we're not going to make them keep shooting. We're going to adjust in other areas. We're going to have off ball movement. We're going to try to kickstart and transition. We're going to have drop screens. We're going to have different things in the offense to kind of supplement for something that they don't have. So I think Doc is the perfect guy for this situation. I think he understands what's on the roster. He kept reiterating the fact that Ben and Joe have won over 65% of the games they played together. And having said all of that, I think he's going to make these guys have one common goal in their mind, and that's winning. And I think he's going to be able to do that a little better than Brett Brown has been able to in the past couple of years. Yeah, and I thought that one thing that I kind of respected him more as a man for um, mm -hmm. was, I mean, he didn't have to mention Brett Brown in any kind of context. Yep. or any kind of like footnote and the first thing he did when he answered the question was like first off like brett did a great job with this team mm -hmm. and, I, and i know that's just sort of like you're playing the pr game but he also just didn't there's no it wasn't like someone asked him to comment on brett brown's tenure he hadn't yeah. he was he was not he was not put in a position where he had to bring brown into it but he he he, he did it on his own volition and yeah, so i thought that was a accountability question yeah it was a yeah. question about accountability yeah. So I, I, I kind of, that was like another instinct, another instance where I kind of like stored it away in my own file under like the belief that I think that it's interesting the people around the NBA respect Brett Brown way more than the fans in, in, in Philly did. Um, I just think that's an interesting thing. Um, I don't know what it means or if it means anything at all. I just think that that's sort of like a, like worthy of looking back and reflecting upon down the line. If, Brett is ever to have success with another franchise. Um, but I, I kind of thought that it was important for him to say, like, I'm not here to change who these guys are. I'm here to make, I'm here to make this thing work. And, and, and you can't like, you can't be the warriors. You have to be what makes you, you, you have to buy into your own unicity and win on your own terms. And I thought that was sort of a, a, an interesting philosophy and something that I, I, I'm, I would be intrigued to see how they build upon. And I also think that that's sort of a sign like, Hey, we're shifting away from this analytics thing where, you know, like, like we're trying to like make Al Horford into this stretch four where we're, you know, like we're like having him, you know, like try to fit into the spot where he doesn't fit. That was sort of a, of, of a comment that I kind of read as like a, we're going to look at this from a basketball standpoint and figure out how this thing works instead of trying to like, like do, do long, do, you know, like do division with his, with, with a zero in the denominator. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, but I'll tell you this. And I've said this all week in the past 
you know, all, all last week when, at, you know, and w- immediately when they hired him. I don't know that he is the right guy for the job, but he was certainly the best candidate on the open market because they weren't gonna they weren't gonna hire somebody who is who is a rookie head coach and go through those growing pains and someone they wanted someone who was credible and someone who was a player's coach. And in today's NBA, that means someone who is a former player themselves, and you know, and you know, two is 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 a black man. I mean, I I don't you know, I think that's I think that's just what it is in today's NBA. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just think that's that, that you look around the landscape, and I think that's what it takes. Uh, um, so I, while I I don't know that he was or wasn't the best option, or he is or isn't the right guy for the job. He is definitely the best option for the best option of the options available. And, you know, he said a lot, he said a lot of things in that press conference. Number one, I'm sure the majority of it was doctored by PR, Sixers PR. There's there's no Mm -hmm. doubt that he wasn't coached on what to say. There's no doubt in my mind that he wasn't made aware like, Hey, this is Howard Eskin. This is what he'll ask. This is how you handle it. You know, I'm sure that there was a lot of that. Um, and I, and I'll tell you this, I know what he said, and, and, and I think he is a good dude, and I think he came across as like a as like the as like sort of like a Coach Carter type of guy. I think he's going to be way harder, way harder than, than than Brett Brown was, and I think everything I've read supported that. Like, 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 like he's going to come in, and you're going to respect him. Um, and you know, and 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 I think it's going to be interesting with how they work from like a rotational standpoint because. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He he's not known to play young guys. It took Jerome Brown or Jerome Robinson, uh, sorry, to to uh, to get traded out of LA before we finally got an opportunity with the Clippers or with the, with, with the Wizards. Um, yeah. You know, he 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 he. I mean, he played SGA, but that was because like that was like that was the player of the future for them. Um, I I think it's going to be harder for guys, especially this rookie class, to maybe get 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 roles in their rotation. Um, my guess is probably that this doesn't bode well for, for Con Korkmaz in terms of where he sits with this team. Cause I think he's going to have to defend and I, I think he's just not tough enough. Um, and, and I, I think Thibault is going to play significant minutes and, and more consistent minutes. Um, and I, while I believe that doc likes shake Milton, I think the endorsement that he gave of him was like a little bit, I guess inflated, and yeah. I think he'll. I think his role will be lesser than what those comments indicate it might have been. Um, but I, 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 I'm very interested to see how these next couple months play out because I, I have a feeling that they're going to go hard for a shooter, and I mean, a, a, like an established shooter. You look at the Clippers teams; they had, um, they had, you know, th- their their best teams had Redick. His best Celtics teams had 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 Ray Allen. He's he he always has had a shooter in the wings, and I think they're going to go hard for one now. Yeah, definitely. Whether it be through acquiring Buddy Hill, the guy you've been studying tirelessly for the past couple of weeks, or or somebody in the draft, I do think a shooter is coming. But uh, the thing I will say about Doc is that he has a plethora of experience with with seasoned veterans and superstar players, but. More importantly, he knows how to draw from from the guys in between the margins. He can really get the yeah. best out of these role players and elevate them. And it's different than Brett Brown, in my in, in my opinion, because it's not like you're taking a TJ McConnell, uh, an eleventh man on the bench, and developing into a fifteen to twenty minute game guy. I'm talking about him potentially turning a Matisse Thibel or a Shake Milton into a legitimate ball player that's going out and competing and, and starting or, or giving you a significant amount of minutes and production on a nightly basis. He's done it in LA. He's done it in Boston and, and really anywhere he's had fingerprints on. There have been guys that have had career years. So I think you can draw parallels between him and, and Brett Brown and maybe having preferential treatment or maybe having guys in a doghouse. But I, I think this bodes really well for a guy like Matisse Thibel or a guy like Tobias Harris, who, Mind you, Doc Rivers coached in L.A., and he had some of his most productive seasons there. I mean, he utilized him in a pick and, in, in a pick and roll as a ball handler. He got him towards the middle of the court because he could be driving straight down, which is one of the – during his press conference, that's what he thought Tobias did really well. And he likes coaching him. So if the, if the Philadelphia 76ers don't have to trade Tobias Harris to get this shooter that they're reaching out for, 
then I, I think he's going to have a fantastic season. You could potentially see him as an all-star in the Eastern Conference. But yeah. I, I, I just can't, I can't imagine a scenario where like Doc ends up like getting like 18 minutes a game out of like Mike Scott and they're like good minutes. Like, like Mike Scott shooting 42% from three on like four attempts per game. Like <laughs> it's happened before it's happened before under Doc Rivers with, with Mike Scott in LA, but uh, that would be, that would be one hell of a shift from a fan base that went from a Mike Scott Colt to hate Mike Scott to back to a Mike Scott Colt. That would be a weird dynamic to see happen. Yeah. Um, and but I think you make a really fascinating point about his ability to work teams at the margins. In that, if you take a if you take a look at this 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 Miami Heat team, if you take a look at the Lakers team that just won the title, I you you, you got the I mean you knew that they were they were always going to be that the Lakers, and you knew that they were going to you know that, that they were, had a pretty good chance with LeBron and AD. But one thing that to me, you really got the sense of how valuable depth was was for was 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 the Lakers and to win a championship and, and and to have star players, you really only need guys that are giving you like positive minutes for like thirteen minutes a game, and it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to be like thirteen consecutive minutes. It's just five here, five there, three here. You know, whatever. So, but those thirteen minutes can can put can turn a series on its ear. Can make the difference in between, between a title and that. And I think um, that Doc has a chance to really remedy this bench and the secondary unit. And if they can figure out that bench, where you're getting like. Where you can tr- you can trust a guy, so, you know, someone to be the backup center and give you thirteen good minutes per game. So that way, MB doesn't have to, have to play thirty five minutes or thirty eight minutes a game for them to have a chance. And you can rest MB for the playoffs um, a little bit here and there. I think this has a chance to really be a a a, a future altering hire for this franchise. In that, if if he can if he can just squeeze a little bit more juice out, out of the bench. If he can tap into a little bit of un, uh, you know, undelivered upon potential from the second unit where Embiid and Simmons aren't overplayed and breaking down by the end of this regular season, it can really drastically change the outlook for what this team looks like in the playoffs. Absolutely. So first I wanted to say, if you look around the playoffs, Almost every team had a ball-dominant big. I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to call Bam Adebayo a ball-dominant big, but he he has fingerprints all over the game. He was horrible. Rudy Gobert in Utah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, going against AD and and, and Braun, that'll probably do that to you. But uh, So nonetheless, you've got Jokic. You've got Yusuf Nurkic. You've got a lot of bigs in the NBA playoffs. So the Philadelphia 76ers have the equation right. They've got a very dominant big, and they've got a really good ball-handling guard or hybrid player, I should say, in Ben Simmons. So now everything else is building around them and getting the best out of everything around them. How the Sixers build around them remains to be seen. The roles of these players remains to be seen. But what they can do now is start holding the guys at the top accountable. And the more often they do that, the better it'll be for the guys under Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. That's how you really pull the best – out of the guys in between the margins. That's why Doc Rivers has been historically so good at doing that because he, he, he even said this in his press conference. If you hold your guys like Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid accountable and they know that you're going to hold them accountable and they can hold you accountable, that sends a message to everybody under them that there's a similar accountability for all of them and they can all buy into this one goal to win. And, and Doc kept hammering this point. The accountability doesn't just start with player to coach. It starts in the front office. It starts everywhere except for the basketball court. The basketball court is the final product. And I think Doc is going to be great for that culture in Philadelphia. Uh, They talked about the front office decisions too being a collaborative effort. This is a position that Doc Rivers has been in before as as kind of an executive or or overseeing basketball ops. But him and Elton Brand are, are, are going to work together. He said it's more of working together than it is 
a, a one-sided affair in, in the front office. So, I mean, he has experience with Brand. He knows the players. He has great experience with superstars. He, he He's done a fantastic job historically at getting the best out of low-maintenance role players. So I think he's going to be great for the culture. I think he's going to be good for the front office and, and for the, the, the locker room as well. Uh, there's really no negatives I see in hiring Doc Rivers other than what I said, maybe preferential treatment, putting guys in the doghouse, uh, similar to Brett Brown. But otherwise, there's there's really nothing I find about this hiring to be bad. And, and I think it's only going to do, do wonders for – a 24-year-old Ben Simmons and a 25-year-old Joel Embiid. There is one thing that concerns me, um, and I think it was like sort of like a poor reflection on his past and like what things like, like like how this could go wrong. He said that accountability starts like with the coaching staff, and it ends with the players. Or I think he said something to that effect. I forget exactly what the order was, whether it was like the other way around or what. But he basically said that 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 account. He basically applied that like he's here to bring accountability. And that maybe that wasn't something that they had under Brett Brown. Um, that those weren't like his exact words, but that was sort of like a like that that the, the way that the the question was 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 asked. It was like leading him into the opportunity to say like, yeah, accountability is huge, and that wasn't present here. Um, that wasn't but good. yeah, so I think one thing that kind of con- concerns me that maybe like a foreshadow as to why things maybe have gone poorly with doc in the past was like he says that but then i've heard stories of like um him like well now i've heard stories from the rice to ricky sanchez podcast of him like canceling practice um to go play golf which is completely unaccountable (laughs) um so i mean that's sort of a sign of like hypocriticism i guess um in which case that probably wouldn't bode well with these players. But I think also like we don't know the context of what led up to that and sure. or you know, like 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 where he was in his Clippers tenure when that happened. And maybe like but then again, like Kawhi and Paul if that happened when Kawhi and Paul George were there, they see that, they're like, well, why are we why are we playing for this guy? Like he doesn't give a shit. Um or maybe that was back when like like the guys, you know, the old like Lob City teams were broken up and he was just sort of like, This franchise has given up on me. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of the ways that you can, that can, that can be viewed, but I just kind of thought that was like, a, well, hold on, wait a second here. You said accountability starts at the top and then you're canceling practice to play golf. Um, but, but I think he has a really unique opportunity to learn from his mistakes in the past and, and to look at where things went wrong in previous markets and say like this worked in LA, this worked in Boston, this didn't work here. This didn't work there. And correct those wrongs. I'll tell you this: he, if he blows a three to one lead, in Philadelphia. Oh my God! <laughs> I don't. I, it would be all hell broken loose, but I don't foresee that happening. I, I don't want to discredit Denver. I think they had a fantastic playoff run, and and this is only hypothetical. But if you have rowing away games with with fans in a true playoff atmosphere, coming back from two three to ones is is a pretty unbelievable thing to do. I don't know if that happens in, in a real playoff format. I shouldn't say real because that, that means I'd be hypocritical if I call this uh, one of the greatest championship runs ever by LeBron. So let me say, if, if this happens in a, in, in a normal playoff setting that we're used to, I don't know if a team comes back from two, three to one leads, uh, especially not against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but it happened. Uh, the thing that Doc Rivers said about this season it happened because before that, too. It happened against the Rockets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what Doc said about this season and, and the expectations that they didn't meet was that there was a lot that happened. And and Frank Vogel said it in his championship speech right after the game that the Lakers had a PhD in adversity. Uh, these teams went through a lot this season. There, there was a ton of weight on their shoulders, whether it be social injustice, racial inequality, COVID-19, playing in the bubble, being separated from your family, taken away from your normal routine. Uh, there, there was a lot weighing on the players. And the Clippers locker room was was chemistry waiting to, or I should say a, a bubble of chemistry waiting to burst. Uh, chemistry issues waiting to burst. So for Doc, I, I don't really blame him too much uh, for the Clippers' woes this season. Obviously, blowing that 3-1 lead is, is something detrimental uh, for his record, his track record. But 
uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if that's a true indication of what the playoffs will look like when, when he's coaching in Philadelphia. I can guarantee though that that Philadelphia will be there, and I don't think they're going to get bounced in the first round in, in 2020, 2021. I, I don't think that's going to happen again. So, for everybody that thinks it will, uh, you could keep sleeping on Philadelphia, and, and you can keep your hopes high that it'll happen again. But yeah. they were without their most valuable player in that playoff yeah. series, and, and just so happens he was a Jason Tatum stopper. So. Well, <clears throat> before we go into the NBA Finals, I do want to take a quick break, talk about our sponsor, the King Cobra. Um, if you like shotgunning beer, you probably want to increase your shotgun time at parties. Um, if you do, you should check out my, my friends over at the King Cobra. In case you're wondering, the King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hold under a second. That's why Brock was out of the house when he got robbed a couple of days ago. He was shotgunning beers yeah. at a friend's house. Yeah. Um, you, you can get yeah. it. It also fits on a keychain. Um, you can find that on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is spelled with a K for 10% discount on all products. Enter the code, address the Cobra 10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. So, Rock, let's go over to the NBA Finals now. Um, Lakers win in six. And I was very careful to not have a prediction on the series because I really, number one, I didn't have a feel at all. I actually probably would have leaned towards the Miami Heat winning in titles. I, I believed in their depth a lot more than I believed in the Lakers' depth. Um, but then again, like LeBron and Anthony Davis are two different beasts than anything that they played in the East in these playoffs. Um, and Dragic obviously goes down and 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 he's hurt, and uh, Adebayo goes down. And they actually gave LA like good fight for those two games yep. without them. So I mean that they they put forth a very admirable effort. Um, and I I I I want to say like pe- pe- people people don't realize how painful the the, the Dragic injury is. And this yeah. isn't me like this isn't me saying that I'm a, that I'm anything close to Goran Dragic. I'm I'm not even in the same like planet. Of terms of athlete as Goran Dragic is, but I have dealt with plantar fasciitis, and that is painful as all hell. I remember I, I we run like suicides in practice, and I becoming in last by like a good thirty five seconds because I'm like hobbling, and like wobbling, yeah. and jogging back because my feet are killing me, and like my knees would like literally wobble because it was so painful, and that was mm-hmm. plantar fasciitis at the high school level. I can't imagine with the intensity of an NBA game with, with an NBA defender in your face what it's like playing on a torn plantar fascia. That must be like tongue-biting pain. Um, so I, I I give kudos to Dragic for coming back and trying to play through it yesterday, even though he clearly wasn't himself. Um, and I thought Adebayo didn't I, – I thought he kind of thought through it Although he pro- they probably weren't any worse off without him because he was that bad in the two games that they, that they played without him. Um, but I mean, I got to tip my cap to Jimmy Butler. He was unbelievable in that finals. Mm-hmm. He did a great. He, he played a great game. He played a great series. I do, however, stand by my belief that I don't think the Sixers would have won a championship with Jimmy Butler this season because the way that he played, there would have been absolutely no spacing. I mean, it, it, it would it would have been volatile it would the fit would have been awkward and i mean he he doesn't shoot threes like 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 we give like like we give ben simmons shit for not shooting and credit i mean at least jimmy tries but like he just paid they're going they're going under screens under ball screens and he's not shooting jump shots they're inviting him into the lane and he's and 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 he's like he's like passing up he's like saying nope I'm, i'm good i'm gonna get to the rim um and there are times when that's okay but there are times when like yo you're the star Hundred forty million dollar max player. You got to shoot that shit and make them not go under the screen and actually defend you, because that can actually help open things up a little further for you or for your team. So, I you know, I, I I think um, I think that you know he, he did everything he could. They didn't have enough pieces at the end. Yeah, and the thing about. Miami and, and Los Angeles is that Miami didn't really have enough to go up against Anthony Davis and LeBron James combined. Maybe one of them independently, but not both. And 
Uh, in watching this series, LeBron James shot almost 70% from the field. Uh, he had the highest field goal percentage mark in NBA playoff history for a minimum of 150 attempts on two-pointers, and it was almost close to 70%. The previous record holder there was LeBron James, so he beat his previous record, and he was also in that category a third time. So LeBron James made basically any shot he took around the rim. Anthony Davis made basically any shot he took on the left side of the floor, and everybody else kind of contributed for the Lakers. When they needed Rondo to step up and, and make the right pass, he did it. When they needed Dwight Howard to come into the game, and give them something defensively, he did it. When when Kyle Kuzma or Alex Caruso were asked to play held defense or they were asked to score when LeBron or AD wasn't on the floor, they did that. But this series was really dominated by Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and you can't take anything away from either one of them because this was incredible basketball. I think the low ratings, the fact that the NBA is overlapping a couple of other different sports, the bubble, the political climate – right now caused everybody to kind of turn a blind eye to what happened in the NBA. But this was really a brilliant playoff series, and you've got a guy in LeBron James in his 17th season over the age of 35 years old that scored almost 30 points a game in the NBA playoffs on almost 70% shooting over almost 40% from beyond the arc, and he's dishing the ball out. He's getting boards. He's playing defense. He's playing almost every minute of the game. It's really a feat that's unparalleled in the NBA to do in year 17. So I'm, I'm saving this day for LeBron James. I'm celebrating LeBron James. I'm not comparing him to Michael Jordan or Kobe Thank Bryant. You. I'm not yes. having a goat discussion. Yes. All I'm going to do today is, is celebrate the career and, and the impact that LeBron James has had on basketball because on the court and off, he's, he's been a true role model to a T and, and I can, I can confidently say that he he's the best basketball player that I've ever watched in this generation. You hit the nail right on the head. People on Twitter, I thought Twitter especially because everyone wants to be a funny guy. Everyone like wants to push buttons, but mm-hmm. like, why do we always have to compare LeBron and Jordan or LeBron and Kobe? First of all, LeBron's way better than Kobe. <laughs> like, it's not even close. Um, second of all, like, why do we have to compare who's better when? Like, 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 what? Like, where does that argument get us? What, what is the point of that argument? And like, 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 even if like someone were to, you know, like the NBA Hall of Fame were were to have like a like a vote to see who is like, like who is the better player, and one, you know, and there was like some sort of like a definitive result that one was the better. Okay, life goes on. Like nothing changes about anything at all. So I mean. It really is just a battle of the narratives and then like the boomers versus the younger generation. Um, and I, I I just don't think there's any kind of value or purpose in the argument. And it detracts from our ability to just enjoy LeBron James's greatness. Mm-hmm. And before we know it, eventually he's going to get bored of this or he's going to Say like I'm tired of this. Like, I'm, I don't want to like have to like spend a million to stay in shape every year. I don't want this travel. Um, I'm done. Um, and we're not going to have that again. And there's never going to be another guy like him at 35 to do this. Not there's nothing. There's never going to be anything like him, at least not in our lifetimes. So instead of trying, um, it, 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 instead of trying to argue who's better, just enjoy the here and now and enjoy what mm-hmm. you have in this guy while he's still around Um, because he, he's not just a generational player. He is like the, a sport defining player. Yeah. Like, like we we toss around things like generational talent or like, like a unanimous hall of famer or like a superstar. He's above all that. He is a sport defining player. He is a, mm-hmm. a, above the generational. He is like he is basketball, and it needs to be something that people enjoy while he's still around. It's not a weak move that he goes to he goes to L.A. It's not a weak move that he goes to Miami. It's not you know a weak move that he leaves Cleveland. Cleveland wasn't built to succeed. 
in, in by the time he left both 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 times i mean the the role players he had the he had to play with in the finals against the warriors were were a joke um the teams that he had in cleveland prior to going to miami were a joke you know he he recognized like hey you have to have one or two guys alongside you to have a chance in this league mm-hmm. um and even then like i'm sure if they if 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 they don't go the route of of Anthony Davis, and instead they get like real high quality role players. So it's LeBron and a bunch of high quality role players. I think like he would still win a title. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it's 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 exhausting and it's counter. It just it's just not productive to 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 have this argument about like he pan picks his team. Like I do this with, I do this with my dad now. See, like my dad's like. I want Jimmy Butler to win because like LeBron handpicks his team. I'm like, so did Jordan. Well, not even pan picked them, but he had a, a very credible supporting cast. Um, Tim Duncan had a very credible supporting cast. Um, a lot of the great champions of our time or in the, and in the history of the sport had great supporting cast. This doesn't happen without supporting casts. And so it's time to, Put aside what you hate about LeBron, if there is anything, because he's the perfect citizen, um, and just accept the greatness and enjoy it while you still have it. So, my thing about LeBron James is that I think he's probably the best representation of what an athlete should be that I've ever seen in my life. Okay. And a video I watched today, the the first couple of seconds really made me think like LeBron James never had a father figure in his life outside of basketball. He was raised by a single mother who, who worked tooth and nail to, to provide for her family. And LeBron James has had this, this spotlight on him since he was a teenager, right? This Zion Williamson spotlight now with social media is crazy, but imagine that before social media, there, there was expectations for LeBron James from 15 on. And he's had a standard that has never been matched in the NBA yet, or or I should say in this generation yet. Uh, so the thing about LeBron James is, given his circumstances before basketball, he comes to the NBA, he succeeds at the highest level. I mean, he he, there's nothing he couldn't do and nothing he hasn't done in 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 a basketball sense. He's a player's coach. The reason why he has a say in handpicking teams is because teams know, all right, we'll get this guy whatever the hell he wants. And we're going to win. There's a funny graphic that was posted today. It's, okay, you're going to the NBA Finals. Is LeBron James on your team? No. Well, if he's not on your team, sure, you might possibly win. But then the next question is, is he on the team? LeBron James isn't on your team? You probably don't win. If he is, you do. And the reason that graphic is funny is because for the past 10 years, it's accurate. Anything LeBron James does, he wins. And he does everything at a high level. The fact that he hasn't missed a playoff game is a testament to the player that LeBron James is. He's, he's a teammate that everybody can depend on. He's a guy that's, I don't care about the showing up before everybody and leaving the gym after everybody narrative that, that players get. The reason why LeBron is such a valuable teammate is his dedication to the game of basketball. Gilbert Arenas posted today about it. He remembers when LeBron James was playing and, and, and the Cavs are playing and Gilbert Arenas was in town. LeBron's got four TVs with the picture-in-picture view in his house. So there's eight games going on, all different leagues, the WNBA, MLS, NBA. And and he's glued in. He's watching everything. He's taking notes and exchanging notes with his wife and kids. His kids are learning. It's just LeBron's dedication to the game, his attention to detail, his willingness to absorb information and use that information to, to his advantage. These are all of the things that the greats have done, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. So while LeBron might that might not have that same mama mentality, that same Michael Jordan mean mug killer that you'd want to see in him, he has it. He just impacts players in different ways. So he's not going to be the guy that's going to come into the gym and punch his center in the stomach because his center isn't doing what he wants during practice. Or he's not going to be a guy that, that, that's going to verbally assault his teammate. But what he does do is, is help his teammates. He's dependable for his teammates. He gets his guys yeah. open. He plays to his guys. So – LeBron James, to me, in a basketball sense, 
has done everything you could possibly do off yeah. the court. The, the list even goes on, right? Making a school for underprivileged kids, being the most proactive voice in almost all of sports for social change and, and, and preventing racism and getting guys opportunities that deserve it and things of that sort. Like he's been the most proactive voice in sports and, and rightfully so. He's, he's used his platform exactly how a role model athlete should use it. He's a faithful husband. He, he's, he's an advocate for change and the right thing. So everything LeBron James has done is good to me. Yeah. And the fact that people still hate that has taught me that no matter what you do, people are going to hate you. So for LeBron James, I think he's finally at peace with that. People are going to hate me no matter what I do, but I can't do anything differently. And I think that's true. There's nothing left for LeBron James to do that can elevate his status any higher. I don't care if he wins six championships, even if he wins two more consecutive championships. There is nothing that LeBron James hasn't done already that can't make him a better person, a better athlete, a better player. So in my opinion, I mean, people are going to hate him, but what LeBron has done both on and off the court has really been unmatched. Yeah. And I think, like, like so. So I was. I, I think I told you this story already on, on the podcast. But I was talking to my high school coach, and he was like, he was like, you had to put some more respect on LeBron's name. And I, I, I said, what do you mean? He's like, you gotta like, like, how are you not in all of this guy? I was like, if, I, if I'm in all of him, that would mean that he did something that I didn't expect him to do. And I have. It, 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 I, I run out of expectations for the guy. He's done everything. Exactly. So by being surprised by him, it's almost disrespectful. And so, mm-hmm. like, 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 uh, he, he's done literally everything on the basketball court. I mean, he's been the best player on the court for 17 years. He's been, he, he he's played like. What? How many? How many? How many playoff games has he played now? His career? He just passed oh Eric God. Fisher from from most all time. Wasn't it like two hundred something, or or is that just yeah. like a, is that a low yeah. ball? And he hasn't has missed one of them. Yeah. So he's played basically three seasons in just just in the NBA playoffs. Like yeah. like like that's insane. Um, yeah. And so I think to top it all off, like when he opened that school in Cleveland or in Akron for you know for the kids, where it was like full, full tuition to like. Ohio State or Akron University, I forget what, which one it was. Um, but like he's become a champion of the community and he's become and he's he's been a champion of the basketball court. And there's nothing left for him to do. It's there, there's nothing left for him to prove to anybody. There's nothing left for 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 him to to prove to society he can he he can ride off into the sunset. And his legacy is is well cemented. Um, three and six in the finals doesn't mean shit to me. Doesn't um, now four and six. I guess it's just. But no, is he is he four and six now? He's four Tyler and six. LeBron? Yeah. Well, yeah. This was his fourth ring. Well, is it, but is it, four, is it is it is four and seven? But I well, is it four? Is it it's either four and seven or four and six? I can't remember. It doesn't yeah. matter. But yeah, you were telling but, me why it doesn't matter. Now we're sitting here arguing why it matters. <laughs> <laughs> um, it it's just it's it's time to appreciate him, um, and just let him be. No, you know, just 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 admire the greatness while you still have it, because no yeah. one at thirty five is going to be doing this. No, ever again. For- well, I wouldn't say that, man. They've got some some crazy technological advancements. These these athletes are just going to keep getting stronger and, and have, have a, a seventeen year prime as good as LeBron's. I agree with you. We're not going to see that for a while, but I, I wouldn't say not in our lifetimes because there's going to be some crazy things that happen in our lifetimes. Now, I wanted to I wanted to say this though. Another thing I forgot to talk about with LeBron. So, one of my favorite artists, Drake. He has a lyric that that goes, lead the league in scoring, but look at my assists. And I'm going to apply that to LeBron James because What's I'm going to say that? I lead the league in scoring in that he's the best basketball player in the league. Anything he does, he's going to lead the league in. But look at my assists. 
I'm not talking about the assist that you pass to your teammate when they get a bucket. I'm talking about clutch sports. I'm talking about six players in the Lakers represented by Rich Paul. I'm talking about guys all over the league being represented by an agent that was friends with LeBron James. I'm talking about Maverick Carter who gets an HBO show with LeBron James where they can chop it up with guys like Pharrell and Seth Rogen and guys in the NFL like Cam Newton on a weekly basis. I'm talking about artists like 2 Chains, where LeBron James hops in the studio to make some music with and promote something and his album charts. It's just like anything LeBron touches, it's gold. So I think LeBron leads the league in scoring and assists too. There's no one better at LeBron than putting people on. There's no one better than LeBron at playing basketball. So at this point, 35, year 17, I am saying that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player in my generation. And I'm going to throw in my generation because then by default, you get the Michael Jordan arguments. And that's not here what we're here to do. We're here to celebrate LeBron James and the legacy that he has left. And it doesn't get better than what LeBron has done both on and off the court, man. We've touched on it, but he's truly a role model and embodies exactly what the professional athlete should be. For sure. Um, and I want to touch on – um, the Miami Heat a little bit. Yeah. Um, do you think they're going to get back to the finals in this next three years? In the next three years, I, I yeah, I, I think they have enough. They have a, they have a good enough core where they can build enough in the next three years. But in the next year, I don't think Miami makes it to the finals for a consecutive season. I don't know. They're a weird team. Like they're mm-hmm. a really weird team. Yeah. They're like a they're like a move away from being like okay, this wasn't just like a one year take everybody by surprise heat culture bullshit thing. Mm-hmm. Like if they if they trade for Oladipo, if they end up getting Giannis, it's it's they're going to be right back in it. Um, So then like, how would you, how would you grade the East heading into next season? Like what are your rankings? Well, I I do think those two guys that you just said, Victor Aldipo and Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, definitely are going to dictate what happens in the East, but let's say both remain Indiana and Milwaukee for the sake of this conversation. Uh, I I honestly think that the East in a season or two will be better than the West is. Um, now, when I look I around, the East, you can yeah, sure you can make that argument. Um, when I look around the East, I think Boston is a team that is only going to get better. I think Philadelphia is a team that's only going to get better. I think Miami is a team that's only going to get better, and I think Toronto is a team that's only going to get better. So you've got four really powerful teams up there. Um, I didn't even mention the Milwaukee Bucks who could have an MVP for a third straight season. Uh, but a lot is predicated on on what happens with both him and Vic Aladipo. So if Victor Aladipo is gone from Indiana, I don't think Indiana has enough to exist independently as a playoff contender. Uh, but if he gets traded to Miami, then Miami gets propelled automatically to the best team in the East. Uh, the same can be said for Giannis, but if Giannis goes out West, then what happens to Milwaukee? Milwaukee's not going to exist independently as a playoff contender with Chris Middleton. So I think right now there's probably three or four teams in the East with a core that's good enough to keep them afloat in playoff contention. That'd be the four I just named, Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto, et cetera. Um, but so, I, you think, I, so you think the six are still in it? I mean, sure. Okay. I, I, why not? Why not? I, I think my dad talked about it on the last podcast. You your saw dad was awesome, by the way. I love your dad. <laughs> he, he, he loved to hear that. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll bring him on again. We'll bring him on. But, yeah, it's hilarious. He just comes on, this is asinine. But he, I think, said it perfectly. If you look at what Philadelphia has done in the two years before this season, they've had a winning recipe. They've been contending. They took Toronto seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals. Toronto goes on to win the championship. The year before, they underperformed the playoffs, but Ben Simmons is 
two years old at the time. Joel Embiid's 24. They have no experience there, and Brett Brown is the head coach that's steering that chip in the playoffs or, or yeah. ship in the playoffs. So I think with Philadelphia, everything they've done in the two years or three years prior to this season has indicated to me that they are a championship contending team. What the front office does will determine if that team is going to be in the championship. But with their core alone right now, with the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Matisse Thibel, Tobias Harris core right now, I think that Philadelphia is a championship contending team. But they're still missing pieces the same way Miami is, the same way Boston is, the same way Toronto is. So it all depends on what these front offices do to build around their team right now. But I think those are the four teams in the East that, regardless of what happens, are going to stay afloat as those those play, deep playoff championship contending teams. So then, how would you like rank, so rank them? Also, one that eight. that also depends on what happens with, with Giannis and the Bucks too. So rank them one through eight, the East. Rank them one through eight, the East. Rank them in the East. Are we saying that Giannis is a buck still? Assume all things hold. All right. <laughs> I mean, the Bucks are the best regular season team in the entire world. They just suck in the playoffs. So, all right, let me say the, the most dangerous teams to face in the East next year, provided all of the rosters are the same. Oh, man. <laughs> let, me, let me go. Let me go Boston. Miami, Boston, Miami, and Milwaukee, I guess, if they keep Giannis. Okay. Then, who's four? Mm -hmm. Toronto. Okay. Five. I guess Toronto. Five would be Philadelphia. Six is the Nets then, right? Oh, my God. I didn't even remember the Nets existed. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Nets exist. The Nets. Let me say the Nets won. Let me say the Nets won. I forgot they existed. What? For I forgot they existed for a minute. What? Yeah. Okay. 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 So, Nets. For next year. For, so, for next year. Sure. So, sure, so Nets. So, yeah. Nets. Boston, Miami, yeah. Milwaukee, Toronto, mm -hmm. Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Indiana. Yeah. Orlando. Orlando, I guess. Uh, not Detroit. Maybe, maybe Atlanta. Potentially, yeah. Clint with, with Trey Young, potentially. So you're saying the Sixers get out of the first round again next season? Not this at all. If the rosters, if the rosters from today were the same, that's the, the the order I would rank based on the most difficult matchup in the Eastern Conference, the playoffs. If I was another team, that's the order of teams I wouldn't want to play, starting with Brooklyn. If the okay. rosters were the same, okay. if Philadelphia goes out and gets a shooter, if Philadelphia goes out and gets a Buddy Hield or a JJ Redick or a Drew Holiday, I think I have to adjust the numbers accordingly. Uh, Miami's there because we're prisoners of the moment, and and they just gave the Lakers a, a decent championship series, I guess, after having a, a fantastic season and, and postseason. Um, and and I'm also assuming that Milwaukee keeps Giannis, but Milwaukee underperforms in the playoffs every year, so that's why they're so low on that list. But if Philadelphia has some some roster reconstruction, I can't see why they don't get bumped up to to a top three or a top five team there. Okay, here's what I would say. Boston, Boston won. What what the hell was the the confusion with me saying Brooklyn? How are you going to count out Kyrie and K? Well, hold on, Boston. Kyrie, yeah. Miami. Okay. Brooklyn. Okay. Milwaukee. Milwaukee four. Toronto. Toronto five. Philly. Mm-hmm. Indiana. Okay. It's the fun one. 
Atlanta. Atlanta. So I got a text eight. from my dad. I, I got a text from my dad. He thinks the Wizards come in at eight there. No shot. I don't think they have a shot in hell. <laughs> and I, I will never – You will. I will need to see like a whole two months of Kevin Durant and John Wall play after mm-hmm. coming back from torn Achilles before sorry, I'm like sorry, sorry. before I'm like convinced mm-hmm. that they can that no 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 Kyrie I'm, I'm I I I have no issue with John Wall plays oh, for the Wizards okay. yeah yeah so, so I see what you're saying now yeah okay. so 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 um that's where I am like I I just I need to see tangible evidence that they're returning to normal before I'm like okay. This is real. That's fair. I, 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 Kevin Durant is possibly the most talented player in the NBA right now, and that's with LeBron James. Um, Torn Achilles, Torn Achilles. I need to see. Mm-hmm. I, I need to see him come back, have that explosiveness, be able to shoot the way he was, um, and you know, and, and and then we'll talk. I mean, I'm sure like Kevin. I'm sure like Kevin Durant at 80 percent is better than ninety five percent of the NBA. But, mm-hmm. but I, I still need to see it. Um, yeah. So those are my, so that's my order in the East. Um, now, if 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 like if they get Buddy Heald, which I think that they're going to make a hard hard push for Buddy Heald. Um, as from everything I everyone I've talked to, it's like it's like I don't know how likely, but it, it's they're going to they're going to push hard for it. Um, yeah. And I think Sacramento wants Al. So, um, so well, but so like let's go over to the West then. This is where I think it gets really interesting. I'm taking the Lakers, one, the Nuggets, two, Clippers, three, Mavericks, four, and then I think it gets really dicey. It gets really, really dicey. Um, Five. I guess if I guess for five, I'm probably going to go with not Houston. It's so tough because again, it's the West. I guess if I'm going. Oh, Warriors. Warriors. So so let me let me rephrase that then. Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, Warriors, Mavs. Houston. Portland. Okay, we got you back. So, I forgot some teams. Number one in the West, Lakers. Number two in the West is Denver. Number three in the West is Clippers. Number four in the West, the Warriors. Number five, Mavericks. Number six, Houston. Number seven, Portland. Number eight. Memphis. Memphis. They sneak in at eight. Yep. No love for no love for the Devin Booker Phoenix Suns that go eight and zero in the bubble, huh? Oh, I might have to put the Suns in. Fuck, this is harder. Well, actually, we had, remember we had a conversation on uh, if Devin Butler was Devin Butler, if Devin Booker was going to finish his career in Phoenix or not. Yeah. I, I think I saw recently that he he sold his house or his property in Arizona. Yeah, but I, I don't go by real estate. I think that's yeah. a, that's like a bullshit indicator. <laughs> Good, you should it. I'm yeah, <laughs> but so I think I think I think the Suns get it at number eight. So it's so Portland seven, um, uh, Phoenix eight. So what what's your eight in the West? Yeah. Okay. So in the West, I think that the Clippers. Okay. Let let me say the Lakers will take the first seed just because um, AD and LeBron are good enough regular season to maintain that seed. Uh, so let me say the Lakers take the first seed. Uh, I agree with you that Denver's probably going to take the two. I think Golden State will be the third seed. I think Golden State three. Uh, four, I'm going to take Dallas. 
Five, I'm going to take Portland. Six, I'm going to take Utah. Seven, I'm going to take Denver. Or not Denver, Houston, my apologies. And eight, this is tough because I like a lot of teams for that eight seed. Uh, let me go Memphis. Let me say Memphis. So you don't have the Suns either. I don't have the Suns. I didn't <laughs> say you had to take them. I was just asking you why you did it. Okay. And, um, I, and, and, and I love Devin Booker. I love Devin Booker. Oh, yeah. Awesome player. Fantastic player. I think yeah. Memphis just has – Memphis has a brighter future right now than Phoenix, in my opinion. Fair enough. See that report today that, like, that, like the owner stopped in the middle of the Jason Tatum workout? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. I, is, is like, do something else? <laughs> you, you, you're not going to do anything other than shoot a corner. Yeah. Oh, man, they're a shit show. Brock, any parting words? No, I, I just wanted to apologize for the the spotty Wi-Fi throughout the week. Um, we're we're going to be working on this laptop, and like I said, we're going to get we're going to get back on on the normal Mac, and then all Wi-Fi and camera problems should be sorted out. So, uh, no parting shots for me this week. I'm going to get back to editing. I have to re-edit and, and redo the whole Doc Rivers Tobias Harris video now because it's obviously not recoverable. But motherfuckers. Um, the marathon continues in Austin. I, I see you've been you've been grinding a ton, so uh, credit where credit's due. And we've got a draft coming up. We've got free agency coming up, so it's it's going to be busy. We get a, a month probably of low tide, but in in a month or two, th- things are going to get pretty hectic again. I think it's going I think it's going to start up pretty fast. I do. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. he's Brock Landis. You can find him when he's not getting robbed uh, on Twitter <laughs> at Landis Brock. You can find me on Twitter at NBA Krell. I will be doing a mailbag this week for the Sixers fans. Be sure to tune in or uh, to ask, ask your questions before before that before I get that started. Um, we're going to start slowing down the content a little bit for, with the feed to NBA because there's just not a lot going on. Mm-hmm. As we get closer to draft time, we'll get back into it a little more. Um, as moves start to happen, we'll get into it more. This is going to be a shorter offseason. I think we're going to see a start time around um, like – mid January, maybe like early February. I, I have I've I've heard that MLK Day is a rumored start date. Um that's just based on a couple what a couple of agents told me. Mm-hmm. Um but we will be we will see you um sometime in the future for a new episode of the Feed to Embiid. As always thank you for tuning in everybody. Stay safe. Have a good night. The Feed to Embiid and its name are protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution without my written permission is prohibited. Copyright the Feed to Embiid 2020.